Well, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, The text this morning is an interesting one, especially for a community like ours. If you're new with us, welcome. Yes, this is what we normally look like. Yes, this is messy. We have kids leading us. We have scripture being read. How many of y'all just love those prayers that those kids prayed, right? Like if you heard nothing else this morning, you get to take that home and treasure in your heart. When I was uh, younger and single, didn't have kids yet, uh, I remember coming to church and feeling like, like, what's my part in this, right? Like, I don't have kids yet. I'm not really, like, this idea of family, it feels like I've had that in my life, but I don't know what that looks like right now. Uh, that was certainly a thing for me. And then as I kind of grew up in the church, kind of came into adulthood in the church, I began to realize that I have a part to play in the lives of kids. Every one of us does, actually. There's this beautiful thing that God does in the church where when we follow Jesus Christ, we actually become sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what scripture tells us. We're changed to become not servants, not peons in a kingdom. We come in as family. And so one of my passions as a leader, as someone responsible for kind of shepherding and steering us is, as we grow as a family, God gets such great joy and God gets such praise. So as we talk this morning, if you are coming here this morning and you're new, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you have kids, we're glad you're here. If you don't have kids, you are so welcome here because every one of us has a part to play when it comes to the life of our kids. And our text illustrates that for us in a powerful way. Also illustrating that for us, did y'all just love when Christina was playing the flute and her little daughter was just trying to like get her attention and do all that. And mom's like, I'm busy, I'm leading worship. Way to go, that was awesome. But that is so what we do in the church. We are trying to do this thing and our kids are coming with us and we want our kids to be a part of it. So here's your thesis for this morning as we step into the text. We belong in the family of God. Every one of us, we, all of us, plural, belong in the family of God, his church. And the invitation for us is as we come into the text this morning, as we come to this time of teaching, what's the part that God wants me to play in revealing this family to other people? Knowing full well that family is messy, family is complicated, family can be tumultuous. If you grew up in a family, you know what I'm talking about. Because any institution that has human beings in it is going to go sideways. So this is a reality. And when we invite our friends, when we think, how could my coworker join me at church? How could I invite this mom that lives next door to me that I'm trying to get to know her family? How could she be a part of my Bible study? We're not inviting people into perfection. We're inviting them into family. And this is where we belong. So let's look at the text together. We belong in the family of God. There's an outline in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take notes if you'd like. If you have your Bible, please open it to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to start looking through this outline with the first heading about breaking rules. Jesus is all into breaking rules. A lot of people don't know that about Jesus, but this is a moment when he breaks rules for a powerful purpose. So we're just going to go through it line by line in the text. Uh, I'll be reading from my Bible. These words will be up on the screen. I encourage you to follow along. This is Mark 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to him, Jesus, in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. Spoke sternly to them. What a great phrase. What's happening here? There's a group of people. There's a group of kids. Both are veering toward Jesus. He's out in public. He can be seen. Word starts to get around that he's in the neighborhood. So people start moving toward him. 
Now, there's a cultural note here that we need to really keep in mind. Jesus, he's a Jew, he's part of the Jewish community. A lot of the people gathered around him were part of that same community. This would have been a huge no-no in that community. See, in their tradition, if you were a teacher, if you were a rabbi, a priest, someone looked up to with spiritual authority, you didn't have nothing to do with kids for a long, long time. Kids were not allowed to approach rabbis until they came to the age of accountability, which was 13. How many of you have ever been to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah? That's a party to celebrate entering into the age of accountability. How many of you should have been held accountable for anything when you were age 13? Not me. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's when they were allowed to actually enter into some kind of relationship, friendship, mentorship with a rabbi. These kids probably aren't 13, They're probably breaking some very major rules here. Now, there's an interesting thing about the text. So we've got the cultural piece in mind. What does the text tell us? It actually says, people were bringing little children to him. Your Bible might translate it differently. That word bringing is really interesting. It's the same word that's used to encourage people to bring a sacrifice to the altar, to come in a posture of worship. Now, I don't think these people were bringing children to be sacrificed. That was probably not their goal. I think actually what was happening, we kicked this around at teaching team, I don't know that this translation really nails it with people were bringing their kids. I think the kids broke out in front of the grown-ups and the grown-ups were running behind them going, wait, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't run toward him. You're not allowed to do that. Is that not parenting? No, 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 wait, wait, don't, no, I gotta get you, wait, wait. Oh, they just go. But this is the point of the text. If we keep the rules, we will miss out on the kingdom. If our kids, all they know is the rules, they're missing out on the kingdom, and so are we. People are bringing little children to him. Sure, maybe they did. I think adults are far less likely to break rules than kids are. And in this moment, I think the kids were leading grown-ups. So here's a value. Here's an idea to write down. Faith is not a grown-up game. It is not a game just grown-ups play. It cannot be. Following after Jesus Christ, seeking him, learning about him like our kids are doing in our classes this morning, that is not a game that only grown-ups play. It is something that we step into, all of us, powerfully when we invest in the lives of our kids. The way these kids run up to Jesus, I, I just kind of had to picture it in my mind this week. Read this text a bunch of times, heard about it, studied it in Sunday school, whatever. I want you to close your eyes with me and picture someone you love. Someone in your family, someone a neighbor you're getting to know maybe, and you just have a heart for them. Maybe it's someone who's invested in you, a mentor, a leader in your life, someone you love, one of your children, your spouse. And I want you to picture them running to you. Like maybe you haven't seen them for a long time. If you've ever picked up somebody from the airport and they've been gone for such a long time, your feet just carry you faster than you think and you just embrace them. Think what that feeling is in that moment. It's relief, it's joy, it's peace. It's this transcendent moment of love. And what's wonderful about that image is there's no guile when kids run up to you. There's no veneer. Grown-ups came up with veneer. Kids just come up, don't they? They just run to you. And this is what Jesus is doing in this moment. He is receiving kids. And my hope for us, Bethany, is that we this week would come to Christ like a kid. With reckless abandon. With no cause or concern for how other people might perceive us or how something might sound or did we get the words right? Did we say it the right way? 
May our hearts become alive this week when we seek Jesus like these kids did in the text. What was standing between the kids and Jesus? Those closest to him, his disciples. What do you think landed for those kids? Do you think they looked at those disciples and went, ooh, I think those guys are like disciples, they're authority figures, I shouldn't mess with authority? It was their words. They spoke how? Say it with me. Sternly to them. Have you heard a stern word lately in your life? I got a stern email this week. That was a lot of fun. But here's the application point. Here's the challenge. If you're sensitive to stern words or if you blow off stern words and just go, whatever, I'm not going to deal with you, would you invite Jesus into that moment and say, God, how would you have me respond to this? If it's an email, if it's a word from a coworker, if it's something one of your kids says to you or your spouse says to you, if it's a word that troubles you in any way, is that, could that then become a moment to just pivot and say, Jesus, I, I, I'm going to make this, I'm going to get all worked up into a lather over this, but if I invite you in, there's a chance for this to be redeemed. That's exactly what I had to do this week. Got a stern email, was processing it, I was working from home that day, I'm literally standing in my kitchen, and I'm going, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And it's just a stupid email, right? So at a level, it shouldn't matter. But for me, it did. And for me, that was a moment when I could say to Jesus, like, here it is, I got a little bitty window, get in here, I need your help. I'll turn this into something ridiculous. Would you change this into my transformation and for your glory? What do you want? Will you say that with me, church? What do you want? This week, there's going to be an opportunity for each of us to say that to Jesus. What do you want? How could this time be a time when you speak to me? May it be so for each of us, whether it's for an email, whether it's for something that is bigger than that. How can we look at the kids in this story who hear a stern word and say, "Mm -hmm, I hear the stern word, I'm going over here to Jesus. I need to be with him. I hear that word of rebuke from someone on my team that's just a problem. Oh, I wish I could just change them and make them listen, but I can't. And Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this as a leader, as a parent, as a father, as a mother? However you are coming at it. Ask God for help. Step one, run to Jesus, not to your own wisdom. Mm, That's tough for us, isn't it? I want to run to my wisdom. I want to run to my playbook. I want to run to my thing. I know how to handle this. I've been to leadership school. I know what to do. Run to Jesus. And then my other concern for us, church, is be careful about how much real estate you give to that stern voice, whoever it is. Be careful how much you give your heart and your mind over to that voice. Fixing it or trying to find a workaround or whatever, be careful about how much of your heart and your time and your energy goes into dealing with that. So that's part one. Let's break some rules. Can we do that, church? Amen? Amen. All right, y'all sound like you mean it. The kingdom breaks in is part two, verses 14 and 15. We're going to continue along in the text. It says this, But when Jesus saw this, saw his disciples, these men he trusted, loved, invested in, speaking sternly to children, He was indignant, ooh, and he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter into it. What's the kingdom of God? It is the foundation of Jesus' ministry. Go back to Mark chapter 1 few pages before this one. Mark 1, 
verses 14 and 15. Jesus arrives on the scene, and the first thing he starts telling people, it's not receive salvation, it's not give to the poor, it's not read your Bibles. The first thing he says to people is this, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the gospel, the euangelion of God, and said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's his introduction. It's the first thing he says about himself in Mark's gospel. I have come to proclaim the kingdom. Capital K, kingdom. What is that? Well, think about his audience. Jews, people living under Roman rule. What kingdom did they live under and think about? They lived under the rules of their religion. They lived under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Pax Romana, soaked in blood. That's the biggest thing they can think of. And Jesus comes to them and says, I got something bigger for y'all to be a part of. I got something much bigger up my sleeve. And it's not a religion. It's a movement to reveal the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is where God's rule and reign are unmistakable. Where what he wants done is done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. That's what the kingdom is. It's where what God wants done is done. Example of that. If you're in a small group, you're participating in the kingdom. Because what God wants done is for people to be in relationship with each other, to support each other, to hold each other up. And I know the journey that some of you have been on this week, and I know that your small group is holding you up in prayer, in support, texting you, checking in on you. When you live in community, you participate in the kingdom. When you bless others with no intended return, when you seek to be the shalom, the peace that only God can bring, whether you do that teaching our kids, whether you do that by being a part of our VBS with Inglewood Press, whether you take part in Community Serve Day at the end of the summer where we bless and serve our schools, the hubs of our community, with no intended return, you participate in the kingdom. You see something and you go, I didn't come up with that. God came up with that. And God is making that live and move and breathe in real life. The kingdom is where we belong. And we settle for so much less. So Jesus declares this wonderful reality of the kingdom. He invites the family of God, the church, to step into this. And who's the key to the kingdom? According to him, what's happening right at the heart of the kingdom? Kids. Children are central to the kingdom. This is one of his main themes in this whole section of the text. Don't keep kids out of my kingdom. Well, how does that work? Think about the church for just a minute. If the church is a family and it's messy and it's complicated, but we express the family of God just by being here together, just by showing up this morning, you are imaging God for the people around you. You are showing them an element of God just in showing up together. Bet you didn't know that when you got ready for church this morning. I'm going to show up and show somebody else the presence of Christ, the reality of the living God. I get to be a part of that. Are you kidding me? I thought I was just showing up to hear some guy talk. As we grow as a family, our kids will show us how to image God so powerfully. This past uh, Palm Sunday, uh, our children's team and our worship team worked together to have our kids lead us in worship like they did earlier, right? Reading, reading scriptures, showing us prayers. And the kids, I'll never forget this. I swear, this is one of my favorite ministry moments. If you're here, you know this. Our kids came out midway through worship and they were singing and they handed us these cards that they had made in their classrooms. Just a simple piece of artwork, a tree, and it says, you're my provider, and it's got a scripture on it. 
And they were blessing us. They were reminding us of the reality that God is our loving Father and He cares for us. I have kept this in my car. So I see it every time I touch the gear shift. And I'm reminded that our kids have led me and blessed me and shown me a pathway into the kingdom. That's what we're about. You want to step into something that we're doing here at Bethany that is powerful and exciting. It is our ministry to our kids. And my hope is that we always take a humble and gracious and deeply convicted in our stewardship approach to loving our kids. There are churches out there who long for kids, long for families to be a part of their communities, and it's not happening. And it's a struggle. And they don't know what to do. And by the grace of God, this church, the tradition and legacy of Bethany, is that we've got so many people that have entrusted their kids week in and week out to us, all of us. And my hope and my prayer is that we would never squander that. We would never take that for granted. That we would, each of us, find a way to bend our knee in service to kids, to families, not because that's how our world is oriented, although it feels like that sometimes, but because that's what the family of God is. It's all of us investing in the lives of our kids. There's some amazing ways to take next steps in this. I'd encourage you to talk to Kristen or talk to me if you'd like to know more. But we have a high calling, church, to keep kids entering into the kingdom. Not keeping them from the kingdom, keeping them entering into the kingdom. That is the part that you and I get to play together. The final piece of our text today is this personal blessing. This is in verse 16. So let's turn back there to Mark 10. The text says this, Jesus took them up in his arms and he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. It's so personal. It's so tactile. Like, I don't know of any other scripture that talks about Jesus' arms in his hands except when he goes to the cross. And it's amazing to think that the arms and the hands that held him on the cross, these are the arms and hands that bless these kids. This phrase, he took them up, he gathered them up. This is what you do with things that you find precious and valuable, is it not? If you're a farmer, you go gather up your crops. You treat your crops as precious, as sacred, as vital. My kids love to carry around stuff. Like, it's just amazing to me. But they just accumulate things and they want to carry them with them wherever they go. Maybe some of your kids are like this too. It could be their favorite book. It could be a stuffed animal. Right now, it's these little plastic Disney princess dolls that I love stepping on in the middle of the night. And my kids, I love this, they will carry them around, they'll hold them in their hands, and then when they fall asleep at night, I'll go into their room and I'll open up their hand and I'll just take it out so they don't roll over on it. And that little plastic princess jasmine is warm from my child's touch. Jesus loves us far more than a princess jasmine doll, but he treasures us no less. That demonstration of faith, to to so clutch something, that you leave your own imprint on it. That it takes the temperature of your body or it takes your fingerprints or your smell or anything like that. So does Jesus treasure you and treasure me. He holds us so that his life passes into our life and he treasures these kids and the arms and hands that hold them will be the arms and hands that one day redeem them and forever seal their freedom. It's amazing. One final note here. At the very end, the text says that Jesus took them up in his arms and he blessed them. This is a lame translation. 
The word there isn't he blessed them. The word there is kata yulago. Kata being a prefix that means super, extra, mega, bless them. He blessed, blessed them. And that word eulogo is a good word or a blessing, like a eulogy to memorial service. This is the only time in the New Testament this word is used. Jesus super blessed these kids. And the question for us is not, well, how do I get my super blessing? Like, where do I go for that? The question is, for what purpose was Jesus super blessing them? Because if you followed him any length of time, you know this. Your blessings, what he has given to you, it's not for you. He never blesses just because. There's a purpose. If you have been super blessed with resources, your calling is to be generous. However God leads you to do that. If you've been super blessed with a great boss at work, like I have a great boss, I love him, he's phenomenal, it makes me want to go be a great boss to others and a good leader and a responsible leader. If you've been super blessed right now, you're in a place where there's healthy community around you, where you have people praying for you, checking in on you, then your responsibility, your super blessing moment is to take that and make it available to somebody else who doesn't have that, who doesn't feel like they belong, who doesn't have people texting them and saying, hey, I'm praying for you, how's it going this week? Any blessing we receive from God, it doesn't stop with us. Jesus' blessings are always for a purpose. What is the purpose that he would have for you this week with the blessings that he has entrusted to you? So what have we learned? Family's messy. It is real messy. All of us, married, single, kids, no kids, doesn't matter. I don't really like kids. We are here for our children to encounter the kingdom, to listen to what Jesus said and to obey it. What unites us as a family is not the mess. It's the one that we run to the one that gathers us in his arms, the one who said, do not hinder them, do not use your stern voices to keep kids away from me, do not use your cultural expectations to keep kids out of the room, do not give me the excuse that your pain and your disappointment mean you can't invest in kids or you can't care for others who are not as far along in faith than you. Don't tell me that. Don't hinder them. Take down those barriers and welcome them in. One of my favorite resources is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Anybody have a copy of this at home? It's the best. It's not just for kids. It's for everybody. It's a paraphrase. It's a simplification of what the scriptures teach. It's beautifully illustrated. It's so colorful. And I'll have these uh, on the slides behind me, and uh, I'm just going to do the last two. I'm not going to do the first one. And I want you guys to hear this. I want you to look at these pictures. Receive this, like Jesus said, as a child. Hear these words. This is the same text we were reading from today. The kids try to come to Jesus. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired. But they were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you'd been there, what do you think? Would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he'd give you a hug? Would you have had to be on your best behavior and get dressed up and not speak till you're spoken to? Or would you have done just what these children did? Would you have run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and sit in your lap and listen to your stories and your chats? You see, children love Jesus, and they knew they didn't need to do anything special 
for Jesus to love them. They didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was run into his arms, and so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, no matter how big you grow, hear this church, no matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children. They're the most important in my kingdom. Will you come to him? Will you join me and will you join our church at the table, coming to him in communion? Will you come to him as a child? Will you come to him free from any kind of posturing or image management? Will you come to him in the simplicity and joy as a child? Let's pray together and ask him to unite us at the table. Jesus, we come to you as our father, as our friend, We come to you as our Savior, and you welcome us in through no earning or deserving of it at all. We come to this table to receive from you. We come because your church across time and across the centuries has called us to this place. And so now we ask that you would set apart this time, you'd set our hearts apart, that you would bless these simple elements and use this time for your glory. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.